1: It's the voice of St. Louis, KMOX. My name is Bo Matthews. Thanks for joining me on the program. We've got a couple of cameos by uh, voices you hear on a regular basis on KMOX. Carol Daniel to talk about how her father's uh, military service was honored. That's going to be a great experience to talk about coming up in the second hour. Uh, Also in the second hour, we're going to check in with Amy Marks' chorus. She is training for a six-hour run. Is there anything in life that you would do for six hours. Well, she has a uh, underlying mission and that's to help backstoppers. So we'll not only find out how her training is going, but we'll also give you uh, information on how you can support her in her run and support the backstoppers in general. Plus, we've got Katie Byron from MediaWise. Now, Katie can uh, help all of us learn how to be our very own fact checker. Uh, There's great sources out there, but she has a a system and actually a a free class that she's going to give you some information on how you can connect with that to become your own fact checker as we get closer and closer to the election. And if you haven't voted, that may mean you're still on the fence or maybe you're just going to be old school and just show up on Tuesday to to cast your vote like I am. We are going to uh, also talk to uh, Lowe. Low is a friend of mine. She's the Windy City Nanny. Uh, she's in Chicago. We're going to talk about how families are enduring this extended isolation period during the pandemic. And I received a blog from Earl Trout Third. He is uh, quite a character. He's in Southern California. And I received his blog, and I, I got some information on this blog that was just powerful. So for those of you that have not voted yet, uh, maybe, again, you might be on the fence or close to the fence, you don't know which way to turn. Uh, His conversation may help you with that. We're going to check in with Uncle Earl. But in his blog he sent out was, just in case you don't yet understand how great it will be to elect a socialist president, as in Joe Biden, and a communist vice president, Kamala, uh, and have them bring in their comrades like Bernie and AOC to run our country the way they want without regard of our laws and constitution, Well, I just want to give you a little history lesson. This is the true story, is the true story of Venezuela, the former third richest country in the hemisphere. All you have to do is go back to 2001. Not that long ago, right? The citizens of Venezuela elected socialists promising income equality by government confiscation of private property and industry. In 2004, just a couple of years later, private health care became socialized medicine, Fast forward five more years. In 2009, private ownership of guns banned. And you know I'm on a show called Second Amendment Radio on the Great Outdoors, and we uh, we talk about the gun laws of our country, and to see that happening back in 2009 in Venezuela was a tipping point. In 2012, Bernie Sanders praised their version of the American dream, and two years later, the non-socialist political opponents were imprisoned, and some were even killed. Two more years goes by. In 2016, ongoing food, water, health care, oil and electricity shortages were rampant in Venezuela. In 2017, the constitution and free elections were eliminated. Like in this country, you still have a chance to vote, you're free to do that. In 2017, Venezuela changed that law. In 2019, citizens without guns were massacred by their very own government of Venezuela. And this year, In 2020, the former rich, thriving country of Venezuela is now poor and facing civil war. So uh, with that little history lesson, I will leave you with those thoughts uh, as you prepare to vote on Tuesday. It's pretty sobering, isn't it? All right. Coming up next, we are going to check in with Randy Gardner. He's the broadcast program director at CBC, and he is going to share with uh, you and me how he is able to let games and and so many other things going on at the high school, the CBC high school, uh, getting it out for people to be able to enjoy that, which is fantastic. We'll talk to him next on The Voice of St. Louis, KMOX. My name is Bo Matthews, and my next guest is from Christian Brothers College High School, otherwise known affectionately as CBC. Randy Gardner is the broadcast program director to make sure that fans of high school sports can see their games, but they can see a whole lot more. What what else do you offer uh, those fans that follow high school sports?
2: So basically, uh, CSN, which stands for the Cadet Student Network at CBC, we've been around for about eight years, Patrick Walsh, and some students started it. And I took it over six years ago and with a broadcast background, brought the mindset of, hey, let's try to make this one of the best broadcasts, not only in St. Louis, but a destination for kids who want to be in broadcasting to come to CBC and make this one of the best in the country. So what we do with it is not your simple, just one camera pointing at the stadium and going back and forth. We have three, four, five cameras at a game with full graphics package, instant replay, Um, I'm not, you know, the full deal, we try to give everyone a network TV experience at a high school level.
1: And, and that's not easy to do because I mean, if you look at the NFL and what they do, uh, you know, with all the avatars and the different, you know, characters that they, they throw out on the screen, you know, it does fill it up for the entertainment and it's great for the eye, but when you're doing it on a local level like that, I mean, hats off to you for figuring all this stuff out.
2: Well, the, the neat thing about not only the broadcast program, but everything we do at CBC is it's, it's hands-on. It's real-world experience. So I've got guys who have gone through this program and have graduated and, as a freshman, has gone, have gone to Mizzou and walked straight into ESPN and SEC Network. Wow. I've got other guys ra- hosting radio shows across the country as, as freshmen, walking in and anchoring at their school's uh, TV broadcast facilities as a freshman, so we're really proud of giving these guys that real that real world experience. They know when they go out there that any game could have anywhere between three thousand and maybe fifteen thousand people watching a broadcast. So they take this seriously, like I do, as a job. They look at it as a job,
1: right? Right, and they they have to have that commitment. Plus, when you're on, even on the technical end of it, when you're behind the camera uh, and you're not on camera necessarily there's a lot that has to be done. And so for you to find the students that are, you know, can find those capabilities, I mean, that, I think that's fantastic. But is it is it hard to pick out the ones that are on camera? Um, you know, now, I mean, do you kind of do a talent search? Do you do auditions? How do you, how do you work with that with the, uh, the student body?
2: Yeah, so basically I teach three broadcasting classes also throughout the day, along with a program called KCBC, where every single morning we have um, – 24 kids come into the school an hour and a half early and build a newscast from scratch, basically, with graphics, producers, directors, reporters. Uh, We do the weather. So they pretty much put on a network newscast every single morning. So from there and my TV production classes, I'm able to work with the kids and develop their skills and then eventually work them into being able to stand on their own on a broadcast. It's going to be broadcast, like I said, you know, to several thousand
1: people. Yeah. The, uh, the duck face in the selfie, uh, of your camera isn't, isn't what we're talking about. We're talking about real life skills of, you know, people, you know, I'm sure it happens to you. It happens to me. Hey, how do I get into radio? How do I get into TV? And you know, the need is still there. And, and that's why these programs are so important, because as we saw art go away, music go away, phys ed uh, in a lot of schools have gone away. But uh, at CBC, you guys have definitely held up. We're talking to Randy Gardner. He's the broadcast program director of uh, of what is the, the network called again?
2: Yeah, CSN. And that stands for the Cadet Student Network.
1: OK, CSN. Now, uh, Randy, can we can we just peek into your background? What What is your broadcast background to get you to this point in life?
2: Sure, I. Spent uh, nineteen years at News Channel Twenty as an anchor and reporter. I sat at the news desk and, and and read the news. I also spent some time at Fox Sports Midwest as a feature reporter with the Amateur Sports Showcase. And, and before that, I hopped around on a lot of different radio stations.
3: Right, right. Started
2: at ninety seven point one back when it was you know a rock and roll station, and and you know the business. You kind of hop from here to here, but I was so happy to land six years ago at CBC, and this has become a passion that I almost wish I would have started 15 or 20 years ago. I get so much enjoyment out of seeing these kids just prosper and move to that next level. And especially when they're going now, after being there six years, I've got guys who have gone through college who are starting to work in the industry and there's nothing better than that feeling of having a student come back and go, Hey, what you taught me right. helped me in my life. Yeah,
1: you know? so so that's happened then. I, they've reached out to you.
2: Yeah, it, it, it's an awesome feeling. And, and it's even greater when the parents of these kids reach out to you and tell you the, the enjoyment that these kids had through college from delving into broadcast.
1: Now, I did notice on the piece that Channel 4 did on you guys uh, that everybody was wearing masks except for the lady that was doing the story on Channel 4. Is that a a school requirement, or is that just something that we're trying to get used to for your students?
2: Sure, yeah. Even every single morning when we do our KCBC broadcast, the students do wear masks on the broadcast. When Brooke did that stand-up for her interview, there was nobody else in the room. Everybody pretty much moved out and she did that interview, you know, did that by herself. But the the mandate at school to stay safe for us to be able to stay at school is definitely social distancing. They're doing a great job with that. And also you have to have that mask on all the time. And I think not only the broadcasting students, but the administration at all levels and the students, we all know that we have to do our part for us to be able to stay at school as a complete student body the way we have Yeah, in the beginning. No,
1: I get it. I get it. And when my producer, uh, Dave Klein, said, hey, I want you to talk to somebody at the CDC, I was like, the CDC wants to talk to me? What? Oh, CBC. I... Oh, I thought it was Centers for Disease Control. I, I'm much more happier talking to you, buddy. Um, you, you know what? I think it's so important. It's our job as adults, as we grow older, to share downstream uh, to young people, especially if they're interested in what you you do or what you've done in your life. So hats off to you, man. Congratulations on a great program and to getting these games out. Now, if, if random people want to, or, or maybe some sports agents want to see your players, uh, where, can, where can anybody go, or is it a password you? Username kind of security thing, uh, or can just anybody watch?
2: Sure, it's uh, cdccsn or cadetstudentnetwork.com, dot and we not only do sporting events, we do theater plays, theaters and play you know play things. Last night we did the band concert, so there's a variety of different things on the channel. Um, it, it's not you don't pay to watch, except for right now during the playoff season for Misha Sports. Um, it's pay-per-view per misha for these events. But other than that, everything we do is open to the public. And we encourage everybody to check it out.
1: All right. Randy Gardner. Thank you so much. Keep up the good work and thanks for doing the heavy lifting when it comes to shaping young minds. And I mean that
2: sounds good, Bo. thank you so much. Appreciate it. And thanks for everything you do too.
1: Well, I just love getting these stories out. I, I just really do. My name is Bo Matthews. Stick around. Coming up after the break, we are going to talk with a uh, recurring guest. She was on my program back in August. Her name is Florence Ann Romano, but she goes by Low. That's her nickname. Low, otherwise known as the Windy City Nanny. We're going to talk about how parents and families are doing during these extended isolation periods of time, and so much more. Because after our original interview, after we wrapped it all up, we had a chance to speak a little bit more about some things. So we've invited her back to the program. So Lo is coming up next on the voice of St. Louis KMOX. Stay right there. It's the voice of St. Louis, KMOX. My name is Beau Matthews. Back in August, I had a chance to meet uh, a gal. Her name is Low. We call her Lo. Uh, uh, Florence and Romano. And she is known as the Windy City Nanny. And we were talking about, you know, isolation, homeschooling, families and what they're going through. And here we are just, you know, uh, days or hours before the election. And I wanted to check back in with her because here we are another couple months later when this whole pandemic, you know, when we thought it was, you know, going to be bad. ooh, we're locking down for two weeks and now we're kind of changing that verbiage to call it isolation. That's what I like to call it because quarantine is really for sick people, but I wanted to check with uh, the Windy City nanny uh, and, and really have to tell you that after we got done with the interview about talking about families and what they're going through, uh, Lo and I, uh, I think we struck up a, a pretty quick friendship and we start talking <laughs> politics, but it wasn't on the air. So uh, Lo, how are you?
4: I'm so happy to be back with you. I know, that friendship, I'm, I'm so grateful for it. You never know, the, these airwaves connect people, and I'm thrilled.
1: They do, and I think a lot of people were inspired by what we talked about before. And, and you know, you can it, it just kind of uh, give us a synopsis real quick of who you are and what you do.
4: Yeah, background is 15 years, spent 15 years as a nanny, and then after I retired from being a nanny, really decided to take on the child care crisis and be a child care advocate for families across the United States and really talking about what it takes to raise these kids and uh, what goes into it and asking for help and building that village and letting love in.
1: And I don't think anybody uh, should be ashamed uh, for asking for help. And as a matter of fact, people are seeking it out and it can be dangerous. Uh, You know, if I'm not feeling well uh, for whatever reason or I've stubbed my toe and I Google it, I'm going to die from the (laughs) symptoms I find. Uh, But but how are your families doing that you deal with uh, now? I mean, so long into it now we're back to school or hybrid or in-person or whatever it is. Uh, how, How are things going with the families you deal with?
4: You know, they're they're doing better than they were a couple months ago when we talked, especially because a lot of the kids are back in school. But I have to say, the ones I talk to the most that are suffering the most right now are the kids that are not back in school. That does not mean that the ones that are back in school, that there aren't fears there. Yes, those parents are still nervous. They're nervous about, you know, illness and all of that. But they're mostly worried that all of a sudden that school's gonna be taken away from them at some point again, that it will shut down again. And those that are in this hybrid situation, or in remote learning, those parents and those kids, so many tears, so many tears, they, it is so hard for these kids to be learning in this way. And it's very, it, it breaks my heart when I, when these parents reach out to me and say, how do I help my kid through this? I can't watch my kid cry. Right. At the, computer anymore and you know i you know politics does play a role in what we're seeing happening with these schools depending on where you live and i hate that that's the case but i'm going to say the thing Noah wants to say that there is there politics is playing a role in what's happening
1: I challenge myself every time I'm out in public to try and talk to somebody more than just a hi or hello, you know, that kind of thing. I, I try and engage and just, you know, just because our mouths, our faces are covered up and you don't know what people are feeling. I have to tell you this heartbreaking story that I just learned, had some dear friends over for dinner and we're talking and their their grandkids are, are back in person uh, part of the week and they're in, you know, doing the online thing part of the week. And uh, the little five-year-old came home, and there was a hole that the little guy had had chewed in his mask. And and so his mom was like, "Well, how did this hole get here? What's what's going on?" And she, he, uh, the little boy said, "I couldn't breathe, so I was chewing a hole through it."
4: Oh my gosh!
1: Like I a can... muzzle. I'm like, what is going on with this?
4: Oh my god! And that see, and yeah, that breaks my heart too because you know. I, I'll tell you another heartbreaking story. Look at us, like, you know, like all schmaltzy over here, <laughs> right. but, I, am I, but it's the truth. This it's is the really reality. Yeah. This is the reality. This is what's going on. A friend of mine had to take her son to the emergency room a couple of weeks ago and he's fine. No worries there. But she was talking to the nurse and she said, how are you so overrun? How are you doing? And she looked at her, the nurse looked at her and she was exhausted. You could tell. And she said, it's not by COVID, honey, we're exhausted because The people we have coming in here, it's suicide, it's mental illness, it's the effects of what has happened during this lockdown. And she said it has nothing to do. It was not COVID patients in there that were overrunning them. Sure. of COVID and this lockdown. And so I want people to really understand that, that yes, we've understand that this virus is scary. We get it. But there are other very scary things happening here with uh, our, you know, with, with society and, and how this is affecting our children as well. And we have to look at all of it. We can't just look at one thing. We have to
1: look at all of it. I'll be honest with you. I'm, you know, I'm married and uh, my wife has, uh, her, her art studio on one end of the house. I have my recording studio on the other end of the house. And I mean, I'm, I'm feeling it too. The, the fatigue and the, and the stress, what do you want to do? What do you want to do? It's like, Oh, it's, it's frustrating because this is so abnormal for us because we're usually going and we're, you know, Hey, I'll be home later. You know, whatever the case is. And, right. and this is just so different. You know, I can't imagine, uh, and I'm, I'm so blessed that we don't have a domestic, uh, uh you know abuse situation between us thank goodness but you know you got to you got to believe that that is going on as well that's being accelerated and it's scary for families that you know really can't get out or won't get out for the fear of covid uh right. but well, why, we, but why is it right, our, why is it the only person that I'm hearing saying this besides you and me is our president he's talking about these suicides he's talking about right. the struggles that are going on the overdoses
4: uh, because, I, again, I think politics is, is playing a big role in it. And, and one thing I definitely have noticed, I, I'm, in, I'm in Chicago, okay? I'm going to use me as an example. I am in a blue state. And I am very much in a blue state, if you know what I mean. They right now, our governor has said that the restaurants have to only have outside seating. And, hey, I live in Chicago. How well do you think that's going to go wow. if you only have outside seating? But here, guess what? The outside seating you have to have in Chicago and you can't go inside and dine inside now, but you can have the casino open. So you tell me how that makes any sense. And you know what? I talk to these waitresses. I talk to these people in hospitality every day. My friends are in it. My my family, family members, and they have said, How are we going to feed our children? That is the truth. They say, how are we? We we couldn't survive it the first time. We cannot do it this time. And now what's happening here is the restaurants are fighting back. They're saying, go ahead and find me. I'm not closing down. You are not going to do this to me. I am not. You're not going to take away my constitutional rights. And you know what? Someone said to me the other day and I stopped and I really took it in. They said, if you want a taste of what socialism feels like, you're starting to feel it a little bit. Absolutely.
1: Absolutely. I I get a lot of uh, I get a lot of my wisdom from uh, social media memes. And I have to tell you, there's one that talks about, uh, you know, if you feel like you can wear a mask into a restaurant and then take that mask off to eat your food is like uh, saying that there's a pee in section in the swimming pool. Uh, (laughs) Right. It, it just doesn't make any sense, and we can laugh about it. But you know, the the number one, the people are wanting to eat. The restaurants need to feed their own families and feed your family, and they just can't do it because of the limited uh, restrictions that are on. And right. it, it's 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 crazy. Yes, it's a real thing. COVID is a real thing. There's no doubt about it. Um, right. I don't have a whole lot of faith in the masks. I believe. Uh, my, well, my faith is in my God, but you know, I don't have a lot of faith in the masks because drywall. You you go and do drywall and take your mask. Guess what? There's dust particles on your face, even though you're wearing a mask. So I'm not discouraging people to not wear the mask. Wear the mask. But it's. Uh,
4: and also to your point, though, Bo, I, you know, I'm going to say something again, maybe a little controversial, but how about you be an advocate for your own health? You know, don't make everybody else suffer because you're not going to do the right thing for yourself. If you are immunocompromised, then don't go out and be with a bunch of people. 100%. I, then you, you need to be an advocate for your own health. And you know what? I saw a statistic the other day that just like totally rattled me. They were saying Walmart has 1.5 million employees, Amazon on his 750,000 employees target 350,000 employees all these people 3.5 million total employees all working in the United States come into contact with thousands of people per day yet none of these companies are reporting an excessive amount of COVID cases yet small businesses are not allowed to operate
1: churches churches you can't go to church except every other pew we
4: can't go to church here I mean it's it's true I mean it's I understand that we have to deal with the virus but you know what we, we have therapeutics now that are helping us be able to live with it and survive it. But if you are one of those people in that percentage that is immunocompromised and you really have to make sure you protect yourself, then do that. But to shut down an entire nation's economy again. Uh, we will have nothing left. And, you know, it's, it's not, uh, you know, I sit here and I'm sure people are out there saying, Oh, she's just conservative and she's just preaching, you know, what she's hearing on the conservative news. And no, that's not it. I get a slice of life in so many ways from the people that I talk to and what I see on a daily basis, the people that I communicate with, and I see it from all angles. I understand it. I do, but we have to be able to survive this. And right now, What's happening is it's making it impossible for anyone to to survive this. And so, you know, I, I, I'm, I, I feel bad for people in power, in politics, because, you know, they've got a lot of stuff going on there. But, man, there is certainly corruption and stuff going on behind the scenes that is playing into how things are being executed here. And I'm really sick to my stomach thinking about the things people are doing to this country and how it's affecting people on a really, really real and deep level.
1: Okay, when it comes to uh, paying my, uh, or filing my taxes, I always feel more comfortable if I go to the post office, have them handle it themselves instead of dropping it off in a mailbox. Just the same way I feel about this mail-in vote Voting that's going on, I believe mm-hmm. that there's going to be an opportunity where those ballots will be sitting somewhere vulnerable, and that's why uh, if we had the tracking that you know that the liberals do want uh, that that we should be able to track. If you've been to Walmart to buy toilet paper and goodies, you should have to do your in, play, in in person voting. That's my opinion because for those people that go to the post office or or mail in their their ballot and then they jump in their car and they go to Walmart or Target or whatever. Well, what's the difference? You're rubbing elbows with strangers at these stores. Why don't you feel safe having a partition between you and the next person that's voting? Or they could separate it out even more. It just doesn't even make any it sense.
4: Make, well, it's, it doesn't make sense either because now you're hearing even the Democrat side coming out suggesting that you do go in person and vote. Or at least go drop your ballot off in person, right? And so that to me, you know, the hypocrisy that I see going back and forth, and you know, fine, there's hypocrisy in both parties. I'll say it. You know, of course, that's always the way. There's always three sides to every story. There's yours, there's mine, there's the truth. You know, so <laughs> fine, I'll, I'll say that. You know, but the yeah, I'm one of those people that's going on November 3rd. I am. I want to go in person and do it, and and that's just my choice. But you know, if you can go to the grocery store, why can't you go to the polls? I don't understand.
1: <laughs> I know it. I know it. Low, low Romano we're talking to right now the Windy City Nanny thank you so much for your input before we let you go though uh you you said you are going to go on Tuesday to vote um is there anything that could sway you one way or the other are you are you locked in in your in your thoughts (laughs) on how you're going to and who do you think is going to win
4: Oh, I don't. I don't do the election prediction. I can't do that. OK, OK. I, I think I think I get to, I, I, I think I'm going to jinx myself if I do it. <laughs> um, no, I'm pretty locked in which way I'm going, and I'm sure the listeners can probably know which way I'm going. Um, and I don't think there's anything that could uh, deter me from from voting that way. I think the the choice is very clear to me. The choice is whether or not we get to continue living as Americans and living for the American dream, or we're going to become something that our founding fathers never wanted us to be.
1: Well said. Lo, thank you so much for your time. Good luck and uh, be safe voting uh, because I, you know, you hear those stories too, but thank you. Let's reconnect again very soon. Okay. Let's
4: do it. Let's hope the best man wins. That's what (laughs) I'll say. May the best man win.
1: All right, we go from the Windy City all the way out to Southern California next when we talk to Earl Trout III, where he believes you can save the world with duct tape and WD-40. That is next on The Voice of St. Louis, KMOX. It's the voice of St. Louis KMOX my name is Bo Matthews and uh, several months ago had a chance to uh, meet a long lost Uncle Earl that uh, I didn't know I had oh you're family buddy you are family now
5: bless you my child
1: Earl Trout the third uh, author of wild blues saving the world with duct tape and WD-40 we need this we need duct tape and we need a lot of WD-40 how are you Earl I'm hunky-dory peachy keen fine. How are you doing? Bro? I'm good. I'm good. So uh, from the Midwest, a flyover state to Southern California on your retirement community somewhere, on a golf cart somewhere, uh, <laughs> how are you feeling uh, as we're getting closer and closer to the election?
5: Uh, well, I have I have a dichotomy internally. Uh, I actually think that uh, Mr. Trump is going to win in a landslide. But I have a fear that that's not true. So we just put up a big uh, Trump 2020, keep America great poster in front of our house, and uh,
1: pray and, you for know, the country. I, 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 You know, I'll be honest with you. Whichever way it goes, I hope it's not going to draw it out to count votes for weeks on end and go to the oh, Supreme yes. Court. If you remember uh, hanging chads in, what was that, 2000? Um, I just want it to be decisive and, and, you know, and, and figure out what's going to go on from there. Uh, but as we get closer and closer, I mean, you're in a blue state for crying out loud. Um, oh, very, are very, you, very. are you in a blue community though?
5: I would say w- uh, my retirement community be. I would say it's probably about 50-50, but I don't know. I'm just looking at the the signs in the yards and stuck on uh, uh, flagpoles on the back of pickups and, you know, that sort of thing. Right. But I th- it's about 50-50.
1: It is, uh, well, as, as the world is or as this country is, you know. Yes, um, yes exactly. I, 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 you know, I, I, here's where I go deaf in my, in this run up uh, election cycle. I go deaf when I start hearing about polls, because we know what happened in 2016. I just, I just can't listen to it anymore because those polls can say whatever you want them to say, as you well know, uh, being in the radio business uh, for your career, not now because you're retired. Uh, but uh, you know, ratings can ratings can say whatever you want them to say.
3: Yes.
5: Yeah. I, I can say I have the, uh, number one uh radio station without putting an asterisk saying that it's that's with left-handed polka fans
1: you know you, <laughs> on ev- tuesday at 4 p.m <laughs> right <laughs> yeah,
5: everybody's number one
1: here here's where here's another uh avenue where i go deaf and it is when uh global warming is global warming is spoke about on the on the political uh stage because here's the here's the here's the the, the uh, disconnect for me. Yes, the Green New Deal is a thing that AOC and all the uh, liberals want to uh, get behind and spell, to spend trillions of dollars. Here's the problem. It's not a United States warming. It's a global warming. So if you don't have countries like India and China and Africa and Russia involved in fighting global warming, whatever that means to you, it's really not going to make a difference. And and so if it's only the United States that's, you know, fighting for, you know, the, the fight against global warming and it's just us, well, we're just one city block compared to the whole world. Would you agree?
5: Absolutely. Yeah, it's, it makes no sense at all. I think they call it... Uh, statistically meaningless Yeah, and uh, I wish you would give our Governor Newsom here in California a call and set him straight because he thinks California is the answer to everything that's wrong in the world including global warming if that indeed is wrong and he wants California to fix it all by himself it's Mm. ridiculous.
1: Well it's scary Uh, you know and COVID let's talk about COVID because it is a real thing and it seems like there's a surge again because uh, again I believe it's because more testing is being done and I've I suggest people should abide by the CDC guidelines, wear the mask. But in your community, Earl, uh, in your retirement community, is it running rampant? Are people falling over dead left and right?
5: Oh, no deaths at all, and I believe we heard uh, it's probably been two months ago. We heard that one resident here in our community, of a, a community is about a thousand people, uh, one person got COVID, but uh, no dire
1: consequences. So they didn't die. It's not certain death. No,
5: no, not at all. And, and only, only one, one person has caught it here as far as we know.
1: Wow. Well, it's somebody, obviously nobody likes because they haven't spread it. (laughs) They haven't had a chance. (laughs) Uh, but, but, go ahead.
5: uh, Yeah. Well, you, I'm sure you saw the announcement from the CDC, uh, Oh, it's been two or three weeks ago. They said basically the same thing that, uh, has been said all along by some people, and that is you can't logically or realistically contribute all the deaths to COVID because uh, it's based on the antibodies you're still carrying around. If you had measles when you were a kid, you can test now and show that you got measles. Well, yeah. that doesn't mean you died from measles.
1: Yeah, that's a good point. That's a good point. Now, uh, outside of your retirement community, Uncle Earl, uh, have you had family members that you stay in touch with or friends around the country that have gotten it, survived it or worse? Um, because I've had my uh, my sister and her son both had it because they lived together, um, but he brought it home from the gym. And I'm not uh-huh. saying it's not, it's not lethal. It is. It's lethal to some that have yes. pre-existing conditions. Yes. But uh, it was described to me so many times of it's like having the the cold and a flu at the same time. So it is terrible, right. but it's yeah. not certain death.
5: That, that's absolutely true. The t- statistics, non politicized statistics, show that to be the case. Yeah. And the uh, the actual death road, death uh, toll from COVID is just slightly higher than any other seasonal flu right right. yes it's miserable and lots of people have contracted it but the vast majority have gotten over it and if there has been a death which is always a sad thing the death is not because of that unknown flu we've got going around it's because of other extenuating circumstances Uh, piled on
1: top of COVID. right Yeah, yeah
5: exactly and to answer your question uh, and I don't. I want to make sure I'm not lying to you. Let me let me ch- search my my brain cells that are left. <laughs> Just here tell me the truth.
1: You don't have to remember I, anything if you don't if you don't lie. <laughs>
5: uh, I'm in touch constantly with family members all across the country from sea to sea, and friends, and I do not have a single one that has gotten COVID. Wow. Wow. That, that I, We are blessed.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Well, uh, I, I do want to mention uh, Earl Trout III is in Southern California. I mentioned that. Um, and he, he does have a book, and it's out, available, and it is so good. It is so good that, you know, in these times of uh, a dark winter, as we've heard from our uh, <laughs> former vice president, um, if you're looking for a good book, uh, something fun to read, and not all fun. I mean, it's there's some serious stuff in it. It's called Wild Blue, Saving the World with Duct Tape and WD-40. Are you on on the New York Times bestseller yes, uh, list yet?
5: Uh, no, I, I don't think so. You know, we've <laughs> sold at least two or three books, and, and I don't think that... I don't No, not yet, but we're working on it. Uh,
1: and and uh, so the genesis of this, the, the beginning of this project came when? When did you start this?
5: Oh, my goodness. I, I don't know if you know, I was writing uh, screenplays uh, and uh, television scripts years ago, and I wrote one that uh, eventually morphed into this book. Uh, It came within about, well, it came within a vote of being produced with two major stars whose names I'm not allowed to say, but it got picked up as a screenplay and went all the way to the board of directors and it got voted down and they did not produce it. And it went to the bottom of my uh, file cabinet and then 10 years later, I went, you know what? A lot of people like that story. Yeah. Let's pull that out and make it a book. And so that's that's how it came to be. So you're, it you're, came through my failure as a
1: screenwriter. As <laughs> as the best ones do. So so the, the, so you are an, uh, a free agent. Somebody could still pick this up and turn it into a movie. Well, oh, God, yes. <laughs> Please. God. <laughs> I mean, you're right down the road from Hollywood, for crying out loud.
5: I, I will. Well, it's, it's, uh, in the hands of a lot of people. And, uh, uh, if there is some, uh, some, some tickle on the uh, sales meter that shows that it has promise, uh, it just might happen because you know it, it got real close.
1: It yeah. really did. Yeah. And you know what, uh, you got, you got to get to second place before you can get to first place. So I, I wish you luck, <laughs> uh, Earl, I've really enjoyed, uh, the book as I'm not done with it yet, but I've really enjoyed what I've read so far. So thank you for well, writing thank it. You. Um, and uh, and have you pre-voted? Have you mailed in your ballot, or did you uh, do the absentee ballot?
5: Uh, my wife and I are going to go vote in person this weekend, I believe, of the 30 31st from the third we can do that there's yeah we'll stand in line to make sure yeah, yeah i want to make sure
1: my my analogy of you know my taxes when i file my taxes i want to go to the post office get a certified envelope because i don't want any any nefarious things going on with it and i feel the same yep. way about the balance and there's what's over 70 million people that have already ba- uh, voted so far so that's a little that's scary a, That's yeah. a little scary that's very scary it very scary yeah Because they're just sitting there somewhere. Well, uh, Earl, good to check in with you, my friend. Uh, And where can people get Wild Blue?
5: Uh, Amazon.com. Just do a search. But when you do a search, there might be eight other Wild Blue books that are about either the Air Force or trout fishing. So uh,
1: (laughs) be careful. You're (laughs) casting a big net with those two names. (laughs) yes exactly that's awesome earl take care of yourself uh happy voting and uh let's talk again real soon and uh and find out where we're at uh in this world okay
5: Thank you, sir. Happy Thanksgiving.
1: Oh, hey, you too, buddy. You too. we got a lot to be <laughs> okay. thankful for. Indeed. All right. When it comes to fact-checking, what do you do? Do you actually do the homework? Do you get online and Google or snope something? Well, Katie Byron from MediaWise is going to share with us uh, how to fact-check things that we go, hmm, I don't know if that's right or not. Uh, got a course, an online course that uh, seniors can take for sure that's absolutely free. We're going to find out that and some other tactics on how you can be your own fact checker. But coming up after the news, we're going to talk with Amy Marks course. She is in serious training for a run that's going to happen on November 12th in support of the Backstoppers. So if you want to financially support the Backstoppers, you can do it by sponsoring our very own Amy Marks course. We'll talk to her next on The Voice of St. Louis KMOX. What an honor it is to have Amy Marks course on my show because uh, it's kind of hard to to nail her down because she's always training. Although if you go to her Facebook page, it looks like she's always sitting down. So I don't know how much running she's really doing to train for November 12th. Amy, how are you, dear?
6: Hey, Bo. You're right. It is pretty deceptive. I do a lot of sitting. There's a <laughs> joke among ultra runners that they're always looking for a chair. And, uh, I think <laughs> you're right. <laughs> I'm either running or sitting at this point.
1: Uh, tell me about Okay. I just, I just scrolled your Facebook wall and I just saw, is it Pacers that, that provided shoes for you?
6: They did. Okay. This is a crazy story. Pacers running is in the DC area, Washington, DC. Now the shoes that I run in and race in it's, you know, everybody knows when you're running. You're very, very specific about your shoes. Well, this shoe is out of stock everywhere online, uh, at every store that I've called, and I spent days searching for stores. And I found this local store in DC. Like, it's not a chain, but Pacers running is. It has a few locations in DC. They have the shoes in stock. They don't normally ship them. They do online sales, but not this particular shoe. Right. And I, I called them and said, "Listen." I'm running six hours for backstoppers to support first responders who have lost their lives in the line of duty or have been catastrophically injured. I really need these shoes. Can I buy them from you? And they just bent over backwards to make them available, shipped them, rushed, shipped them to me. And so now I feel like it's we've gone national. It's a country, countrywide effort to support the backstopper. And
1: I think that's fantastic. Again, it's November twelfth. We have an online component where you can donate. If you don't run, like I don't run, uh, but I have mad respect for you because when I first met you, I found out uh, the birthday challenge was you have to run as many miles as your age. Age and you've done that. But when you think about running for have you ever ran six hours straight uh, at, in a clip before? Or is this going to be a record for you?
6: This will be a record. So the furthest I've ever run is 36 miles. And this time I'll be running six hours. And I, I'm not really quite sure what to expect, but the pace I'm training for is I'd really like to do between 40 and 45 miles. I'd love to see how close I can get to 45 miles, but somewhere in that. 40-something range is what we're looking at in the six hours.
1: You are a beast. Is there any breaks in that? I mean, this is just, you know, I want to know how the sausage is made kind of thing. Are there, Do you take a break at all? Do you ever find a chair to sit down in?
6: <laughs> right. Well, you can. And that's the thing with the running clock. For instance, say I'm actually running eight-minute pace. Well, I can run eight minute pace, but if I have to run in and use the bathroom, right. Or if I have to stop to <laughs> grab, okay. I know the bathrooms are a big. They're a huge deal with runners. Anybody who's ever run knows what I'm talking
1: about. Right, right. Uh,
6: or say I have to, I decide, you know, I'm, I have these energy gels and these like waffle cookies that are made for runners and I want to eat those cookies. Well, maybe my, I have to walk while I eat those. So that, you know, that eats into your time because it's a running clock. So I lose time every time I stop or slow down, even to tie my shoe. So say I'm running eight minute pace. Well, if I have to stop for whatever reason and I lose a couple of minutes, that pulls my pace back. But yeah, it it happens a lot in ultra marathons. When people run 100 miles, a lot of times, yes, they're running. They may walk up really steep hills and often because they're running overnight and the temperature drops and they're sweaty, they have to change clothes. So the clock keeps running, but you keep moving forward even if you have to take a minute to change clothes.
1: Right. It's so fantastic. I'm so proud of you. I, I just can't even imagine. I I, I stress about driving in, in a Cadillac for six hours at a clip. So <laughs> to be running, but you know, I've talked to John Brown before. He's a big runner and, uh, and, and they're very specific. Uh, back to the shoes, they're very specific about their shoes. So if you've just received these brand new Pacers uh from the store out of DC, do you have to break those in to make them comfortable or can you just take them out of the box and get going?
6: So the good news is because I know this shoe really well. I've spent a lot of miles in this particular shoe. I I went ahead and I I would have no problem running in it for the first time on that day. But just to be extra safe, I did take them out for a test drive yesterday. They (laughs) feel great. (laughs) So they're ready to go. But yeah, generally, if you know the shoe, you can put on the shoe and go for a run. And, you know, you talk about motivation. so easy to stay motivated when I'm running when I think about our first responders. Because, you know, I mean, you know, Bo, police officers, firefighters, EMTs, they run toward the flames. They run toward the danger, you know, and,
1: yeah.
6: and, and that just, it's amazing the sacrifice and the risks they take every single day. So I love that it's a promise we can keep with the first responders that if they do lose their lives in the line of duty, if they're catastrophically injur- injured the community is going to step up and take care of their families.
1: And Backstoppers has been doing it a long time and, you know, hats off to them for even come up coming up with this idea because, unfortunately, it's so needed, especially in these crazy times that we're living in, uh, when you hear these horrible things of defund the place, all these things that nobody agrees with, but you keep hearing it. Um, and I have, a, I have a mad respect for our law enforcement especially, and I pray for them every single night because – I like you know. I saw a video you were talking about. I talk on a microphone. I know I'm going home tonight. I I heard yeah. that and that spoke volumes to me because uh, when when a cop you know suits up. They 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 don't know. They just don't know what they're going to see uh, every time that uh, that radio goes off and they've got to go somewhere. Um, so really, thank you very much for for doing this because I think it's so important. And you know, uh, I've I've done uh, you know endurance type things. You know, I lived on a man lift for ninety two hours and about halfway through it, I was like, why am I doing this? Why am I up here? And it was and and it and it finally hit me. That this is my way to scream to the world that our cops need our help. And and so yeah. I hopefully hopefully I can give you that thought when you're getting tired and when you're getting discouraged that you know you do you do lean back on that thought of why you're doing it because it is so important. Um, can we talk about a runner's high? Do you get that?
6: I do get a runner's high. Absolutely. I I am addicted to running. I love the way it feels. Some people don't feel awake until they take a shower or they don't feel awake until they have their cup of coffee. But for me, it's all about going for that run. And then I'm like, all right, ready to go. And
1: how far into it? Okay. So you've ran 36 miles before. How, how far into a run do you, do you (laughs) feel that, do you feel that come on?
6: I know it takes a while. So the good news is I always feel better when I run versus when I don't, even if it is three miles, but I will say I really start to feel good after about 10 miles. That's when I start to feel like I'm in a groove.
1: And and it's just, it, it, I don't know, I, I I don't even know how I would compare it. But okay, so let's talk about this training. You're training no matter what the weather is, cold, rainy, it doesn't matter, you're doing it. No treadmill training for Amy Marks' course, right?
6: Right. You know, I I, I do have a treadmill at uh, my parents house because it doesn't fit in my apartment and i would use that for instance if i had to run at 4 30 in the morning and it's dark out and it's cold in the winter you know how the sidewalk and the roads get covered with black ice that's the one thing that you can't you can't tough it out (laughs) if there's ice (laughs) but no in the rain in the cold it's all about consistency and Bo i feel so bad because i know people are like oh the only thing worse than running is hearing runners talk about running. But the reason oh, why. Think, you know, no,
1: I disagree completely. I think it's amazing. <laughs> okay.
6: I think the one reason why I do run is I am an unskilled athlete. I played hockey, but I was really there to boost morale. I was the Rudy on my team. I, I could keep up, but I wasn't very skilled. With running, all you have to do is give it your all and show up every day. And those are the two things I can do. I can show up every day. And, yeah, it, it's too train for endurance it's really just about putting the miles in so i've been averaging between 90 and 105 miles a week the past couple of weeks and now really the next couple of days it's when i'll start cutting back mileage to rest up for the six hour the six hour run
1: and and uh, you just hit a record though i just saw on your facebook page yeah. 105 miles is that right
6: That's right. I've done 100 miles before in a week, but I've never done 105. So that's an average of 15 miles a day, seven days a week. And I felt good. I'm excited about the run. And what's funny is running is so relative because it can sound like a lot, but then there's always someone who runs further and there's always someone who runs faster,
1: (laughs) no matter what. For anybody that would go to like me saying, there's no way I could, I could do that. Uh, if somebody thinks in their back of their mind, you know, maybe not running, you know, for six hours, but if I want, if somebody wanted to get started, do you just encourage them to just get out and walk? To oh, a
6: hundred percent. It's all about time on your feet. If you want to start running, don't go out and run as fast or as far as you can pick a time goal. And I usually set that time goal for 30 minutes depending on your fitness level. And if all you can do is walk for 30 minutes, walk for 30 minutes. And then if you want to start running, maybe run for one minute, walk for five, run for one minute, walk for five and do that for 30 minutes. But make sure that every time you go out, you don't come back before that 30 minutes is up. And (laughs) as you, as you walk, and you work in running, you might find you get to the point where you can run for one minute and then you only have to walk for one minute. Right.
1: Right. Well, yep,
6: and you work in those breaks.
1: It's amazing. Well, you can hear with Charlie Brennan every morning on KMOX. And, uh, and, and so one final question before you go, Amy, uh, are you running to a destination? Or are you running uh, laps like a NASCAR driver?
6: <laughs> I'm running laps like a NASCAR driver. So that way I, I'm never too far away from supplies and bathrooms.
1: (laughs) A good plan. A good plan. so
6: people know, uh, if you want to donate under the umbrella of the Amy Mark scores run, so we know how many, we know what donations are because of the run, go to backstoppers.org slash Amy Mark scores
1: run. Okay. Spell Mark scores for us.
6: M A R X as an X-ray. K O R S or the way I like to say it it's Marx like Karl Marx and Coors like Michael Coors Oh That's K-O-R-S. there you go Gotcha Yeah there you go All
1: right Amy thank you so much continued good luck with your training and uh, and knock it out of the park on uh, November 12th okay
6: Thanks so much, Bo. All
1: right, I don't want you to get caught into the same scenario that I have before where I see something on social media and I get an emotion that charges me up and I'm like, ooh, retweet or ooh, copy and paste or share it, and then I find out minutes later, oh, it wasn't true, it's already been fact-checked, it's false, it's fake news. Well, we have somebody, Katie Byron can help all of us, in How to Fact Check. There's actually a free online course that you can take. We're going to talk to Katie coming up next on The Voice of St. Louis, KMOX. It's the voice of St. Louis, KMOX. My name is Bo Matthews, and I always love to talk to smarter people than me, and I believe this person is that, uh, because there's a company called MediaWise. It's a nonpartisan program uh, within the Pointer Institute. that started back in 2018, and if you're just confused about what's the truth, what's not true uh, when it comes to, uh, let's say, elections, since that's on a lot of people's minds, we have the program manager and editor, of MediaWise, Katie Byron, to a welcome to KMOX in St. Louis. How are you,
7: Bo? How are you? Thanks so much for having me on.
1: Absolutely, I want to find out what this is all about. It all it started out off as a teenager program to, uh, to teach teenagers how to sort fact from fiction online. And as I spend more and more time on social media, I think I need this program too.
7: Well, you're in luck because, yes, we started with a teens-focused program with MediaWise. It is a digital media literacy initiative of the Pointer Institute, nonprofit, nonpartisan. But we have expanded uh, over the past two years and added a program for first-time voters with our MediaWise Voter Project and also a seniors program, which for us we um, we count as 50-plus. Going off of what AARP uses, so I don't know how old you are, Bo, but maybe that might be in your more in your range or more your speed. Are you
1: hold on? Are you deciding this on the quality and the the deepness of my voice? Because this voice has been around since I was 14. I'm just putting it out there.
7: <laughs> my husband has a deep voice, also, so no. <laughs> uh. <laughs> well, l- let's
1: talk about the genesis of it, though, because uh, it was sure. meant originally for uh, teenagers. What were the results of teenagers taking this program?
7: So, um, the MediaWise Project, like you said, started in 2018, and a lot of people have um, think that teenagers, because they've grown up with the Internet, are more digitally savvy, but yeah. research uh, has shown time and again that that is not the case. This is um, an issue that people struggle with uh, as young as 13 or up way through uh, senior age demographic, um, which is why we're kind of building this program Um, up through all age groups for Americans. Um, But essentially what the MediaWise project is all about is teaching people how to think more like professional fact checkers when they're consuming content online, particularly on social media.
1: Well, uh, so again, the 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 success that you had with the teenage program then launched you into the college age or the first first time voter age, and then fifty plus. By the way, I have been getting AARP cards for about four years now. Um, mm-hmm. But uh, so so, what are they learning uh, in this program? All three categories. What 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 is the best? Thing that you can say about this because I do want to mention it's a free program uh, for people and we'll discuss how you can get this and, and get connected to it uh, but Katie uh, are, are do you believe that the teenagers are more savvy now after taking your your course
7: absolutely and we have uh, we've reached 33 million people wow. with um, uh, our content has been viewed 33 million times uh, across platforms since we launched in 2018 so there's a voracious appetite for what we're teaching, and really it's all about, like I said, thinking more critically um, and thinking more like professional fact-checkers. That's what we're teaching, because Stanford History Education Group did some research back five years ago uh, that really started this whole program um, that showed um, when you looked at three different uh, types of people they surveyed, one one group was professional fact-checkers, so journalists like myself. Um, One group was undergraduate students at Stanford, and the third group was um, historians, and they found very quickly testing these three groups that the professional fact checkers were significantly better than the other two groups at discerning what was real and accurate and reliable on the internet. So what we're doing is teaching the masses the skills and tools that fact checkers use to do their jobs which is why this project found a home at the Poynter Institute because Poynter is a nonprofit, nonpartisan journalism teaching organization. Right. So that's really the crux of what we do. Um, There's a couple of quick tips I'd love to share with your audience because I know that people are... Uh, very confused by a lot of misinformation that's being shared constantly. You know, daily we're seeing misinformation and and at times disinformation, which is deliberately misleading information or just opinion, shared.
1: or just opinion. You know, it comes yeah, off. or a, just
3: opinion.
7: I, I've said yeah. this
1: before. Uh, you know, the likes of Sean Hannity, you you know what you're going to get when you tune into him because he's just going to play you sound bites, the same ones he's been playing for years. Um, he's going to just you know bullet point things uh, because you know we could say that Fox leans right. Uh, but then if you tune into Rachel Maddow or Chris Cuomo, uh, it's almost like you could start their broadcast with once upon a time. And then they they tell you a story, which is, is not, sometimes doesn't seem like it's based on facts. Um, and so, yes, please share with me. Uh, by the way, Katie Byron is our guest, program manager, editor of MediaWise. Uh, please share with me some tips that people can get right now and then hopefully get to your program.
7: Yes, so number one is the three very important questions that are really the foundation of the MediaWise project that were developed by the Stanford History Education Group, one of the original partners on MediaWise. These are questions that journalists ask themselves when they're doing their work, so it's very helpful to anyone when they're consuming content online and even watching television, like you mentioned. The questions are, number one, who is behind the information? What kind of um, bias might they bring to these potential, this information that they're sharing? You know, what are their motivations? Seeking out more information about who is sharing it or an account on social media is very, very important right now. Right. Um, number two is what is the evidence? Is this person or account sharing evidence to support what they're saying? If there's no, I like to say, you know, when I see any kind of posts on social media, if there's no link to back up what they're talking about, some supporting evidence i love i love to see a post with a link yeah no <laughs> just give you more and
1: and i've gotten in trouble with that too it's like i'll see something i'll have an emotion about it i'm gonna i'm gonna share it and then all of a sudden i get this you know this this you know drenching load of people going no you're wrong it was fact checked it's wrong so yeah we've all been i think we've all been in that situation because i think we're all just looking for the truth but so we've got who's behind it uh and mm-hmm. e- evidence and what's your third point
7: and the third is, what are other sources saying? And I think you nailed it with looking at multiple, you know, TV, cable news outlets, for example. I think that's very important to do right now in such a, um, a partisan environment that the country is, is in, right. <laughs> um, is reading outlets and, and reading information from multiple sources on any given topic or story or trending um, issue or anything that you care about related to the election Or anything related to the pandemic. You know, reading two, three, sometimes four sources on any given subject is super important to getting out of your own kind of echo chamber and, you know, breaking those kind of silos that people have developed over time.
1: That is a great way to say it. You know, I've been given some advice for the last several weeks, and I'll share that again with you when it comes to fact-checking news stories. We'll do that with Katie Byron and MediaWise. My name is Bo Matthews, and this is The Voice of St. Louis. KMOX. Stay right there. My name is Bo Matthews. Katie Byron of MediaWise is an expert on getting you to understand how you can learn how to be your own fact checker. My simple advice, and it's been out there for several weeks because we're living in a dog-eat-dog world, is if I'm watching CNN, I'll bounce over to MSNBC or I'll bounce over to Fox Network News and see how the same stories compare if they're covering the same stories, because that's also a problem. But again, Katie Byron can help you learn how to be a fact checker yourself and it's not that difficult actually you've got some places people can go don't you Katie uh,
7: independent fact-checking organizations um, those are very valuable and uh, their work is so is, is very you know by the book straight facts and always provides evidence to what they are saying when they're doing their reporting and fact checking um, this is paramount obviously what we teach with media because we're teaching fact-checking skills but that's because they're really the best at de- determining what's real and reliable. Right. Um, so we really point people to organizations like PolitiFact, which is also um, a brand of the Pointer Institute, factcheck.org. Even Snopes, you know, has a long history of this.
3: um, And (laughs) a
7: lot of, uh, it's really, really valuable information. So what do you do in that scenario? You go and see what other sources are saying, because you can't, who are you going to try? It's hard to determine who do you want to trust in those scenarios when they're completely contradicting each
1: other. I'm very familiar with Snoops, as my father calls it. He's in Jersey and he (laughs) always calls it Snoops. And I I try to correct him, but that's all right. Um, But is there, is there a point, uh, Katie, that we need to fact check the fact checkers or you know is mm-hmm. there is is there that scenario out there that people are saying oh this is fact checked and it's wrong uh, have mm-hmm. you have you come to those scenarios yet
7: it doesn't happen often but fact checkers welcome user um and audience you know questions comments um absolutely because they want to prov- provide accurate information it's the number one mission So there's a, there's always every fact checking organization, for example, that's a member of uh, the International Fact Checking Network, which some people don't know about. It's actually also something that is at the Pointer Institute. Um, The MediaWise program is a member of this program. And you have to go through a rigorous, approval process to become what's called a a verified signatory of the International Fact-Checking Network. It includes things like having a corrections policy, editorial standards and ethical standards made available to the public so that you have transparency with the audience, that is super important. And also allowing a mechanism for the audience to contact you if something is wrong, they see something that might be wrong in your reporting. Sure. Um, And I think that um, that is a a couple of levels of standards that ensure that the information that's being shared by fact-checking organizations is reliable.
1: Well, uh, this is exciting because uh, more now than ever, we need the facts and this is what you guys do. Uh, So many people, 40 million I heard last, have already pre-voted for this election. Uh, But what I'd like to do now, Katie, is if we can direct the people listening yes. to get into this program. Again, it's free. Uh, mm-hmm. I, I, I clicked on the link. And is this for only seniors that you're offering for free?
7: So the MediaWise for Seniors, uh, we have a self-directed online course, pointer.org slash MediaWise dash for dash seniors. You can get our core our top courses right at the top of that page. Um, And it's a free online course that has four hours of material, four different lessons, and you can take them at your leisure. You know, you can sign up today. It is free, like you mentioned. And then you can um, take one class today, take one tomorrow, or you can, you know, binge it, I like to say, and just do it all at once. But it's really interactive, teaching some of the skills that we talked about today, but also in a really fun way. You know, we have some videos from um, what we call our MediaWise Ambassadors, which are a cohort of prominent journalists and celebrities and influencers who support the MediaWise Project and donate their time to this nonprofit cause. And in, in this course, there's videos from, um, like you mentioned, CNN's Christian Amanpour, um, former Good, Good Morning America anchor, Joan London from ABC, um, you know, a longtime fan, I'm sure, of many in your audience. Um, I, I grew up watching her. And um, they also teach in, in the lesson, you know, with some really cool videos. So it's very interactive and really interesting and um, not a slog. <laughs> we really work hard <laughs> to make this, you know, um, very interesting and kind of fun, for, fun learning for people because um, it's so important and we really put a lot of effort into that. Mm. So the MediaWise Self-Directed Fact Checking Course is free now and will be through Election Day. We are. Um, we also have um, a class for our Media Wise Voter Project, which is for first time voters. Um, a fact checking certificate course, so college students can sign up and get a fact checking certificate at the end and add it to their resume. You know, I'm certified in fact checking, which is super cool. Um, we actually just um, started charging for that today because we ran through our free available courses. Oh boy! <laughs> uh, yeah, so uh, I'm, we'll we'll work to make it free and approach some funders about that, but. Uh, to continue, but as of today, it's $149, which like I said, there's a lot of value to this and this got a lot of effort. has gone into it and it's worth the time and worth the money.
1: Okay. So um, we can, can we start at dot uh, pointer.org? Is that where we yes. can? Okay. So pointer, pointer.org
7: slash media wise, will get you to all our different programs. That's okay. the best place to start if you're looking to get a whole overview. And then, uh, one last thing is our media wise voter project, the first time voter project. We also have a very cool, um, course that you take over text message which is a brand new type of learning product yeah
3: I like that you know
7: very into yeah I love this so the way it works is you sign up with your phone number and you get a text message every day for 10 days teaching you you know bite-sized fact-checking tips including some videos from our ambassadors like I mentioned people that are very popular with um, young folks like social media influencers teaching some of these tips also pointing them to reliable places to find um, how, how to register to vote and how to actually vote because there's a lot of voter suppression efforts coming to light now and also um, a lot of misinformation being shared about that as well. So there's a really valuable resource for first-time wow. voters too.
1: Okay, so we can get that information at uh, pointer.org as well?
7: Yes, pointer.org/slash/mediawise. Okay.
1: okay, that's and that's p o y n t e r dot org/slash/mediawise. Uh, Katie Byron, thank you so much for uh, sharing the information about this. It, it's so important because, like I said at the beginning of this conversation, everybody just wants answers. We just want answers, and this yes. is a great way to learn out which are the correct answers. Don't you miss, Katie? Don't you miss when if it was in black and white, it was the truth? Do you remember those days?
7: Well, I'd like to tell people, you know, if you're talking about black and white on the cover of a newspaper, everyone has to learn to be their own social media newsfeed editor. That's what we're teaching, ultimately, because otherwise you can get a lot of garbage in there.
1: And you can lose friends, which, you know, I probably have enough at this point. No, I'm just kidding. Um, We
7: should do this again, and I'll talk. I can give you some tips um, and your audience and tips about how to talk to family and friends when you see them sharing this information.
1: Oh, I need to take that course right this second. (laughs) (laughs) All right, Katie, good luck to you. Thank you so much for the help. And, yes, I would love to talk to you again soon uh, about uh, what you guys uh, discover. And, uh, again, thanks for sharing the information. That's pointer.org slash MediaWise. And that is Katie Byron.
7: Thank you so much, Bo. Take
1: care. All right, stand by. We're not done quite yet. We've got a few more thoughts we want to share with you. And a very special guest will join me next on The Voice of St. Louis, KMOX. My name is Bo Matthews. Thank you so much for listening to the program on The Voice of St. Louis KMOX. Uh, I promised you a special guest, and I will deliver. My partner in crime, sometimes called, when her and I are filling in for the Mark Reardon show during the week, uh, Carol Daniel is my special guest. Because we share something else in common. We are both brats. Oh, boy, are we military brats. I'm an Air Force brat. Carol, you are a what kind of brat? Army. Army brat. Mm -hmm. Tell me about your dad's service, first of all.
8: So I I learned, actually, more about the service um, via this ceremony. Um, He was in the Army, retired from the Army after 27 years. He was a drill sergeant and uh, an engineer. And so he... Retired at Fort Leonard Wood, Missouri, which is where I was born. Right. And everybody always asked. They asked people like us. So, did you travel? Did you travel? Right. And I, I didn't. I went to Germany once. I was born in '62. Went to Germany, six months old or so. We were there for eighteen months, two years. Came back Vietnam. So I didn't go anywhere. Nobody did. Right. Uh, during Vietnam, my father served two tours, and so I grew up after one. Stint in Germany. I grew up in Fort Leonard Wood, Missouri, gotcha. and that's where my father my father retired from.
1: Yeah, I get that question too. I was born in Japan, and uh, and we we did live in the Philippines for a while. Lived in Japan. I don't remember Japan, but I do remember the Philippines. I was like four or five, um, and all, all parts around you know uh, the United States as well. But anybody that mm-hmm. is military understands. Sometimes you have to move a lot, but tell me about right. what's going on. He he has gotten some honor from a group of people.
8: He, yes, he is he's eighty-nine and um he and my mother have been married for sixty-five years and oh. in May, because of declining health, we moved them to an assisted living facility, lovingly known as a nursing home. So my brother, my one of my I have three older brothers, all officers retired from the Air Force, the Marines, and the and the Army. Wow. The Marine, the Marine brother Found this organization, this foundation called Quilts of Valor, and so you have to apply. Uh, you have to be a veteran to receive the quilt, but you have to apply. And so he started this in 2019 and was notified that my father would be receiving a Quilt of Valor, but COVID Ugh. and but, you know, but right. my dad is ill and and so we had to wait until some semblance of normalcy which is so weird to even say and so we had the ceremony um in their facility in the library where they where they live and so it was just a wonderful incredible moving um ceremony quilts of valor is uh is a national organization they have since their existence 2003 i think they were founded they have awarded over 257,000 quilts of valor, yeah. and what they, what they say, Bo, is that the mission is to cover service members and veterans touched by war with comforting and healing quilts of valor. So beautiful to me. And Norma Supinski, with the Show Me Quilts of Valor, as she—these are her words— Six little old ladies making quilts.
3: <laughs>
8: she has a backlog, and I want you to hear what she has to say. There's a backlog of a 100 veterans who have been chosen to receive one of the quilts, yeah. but they can't get to them. They need funding, and they just need time. And so I asked her how they raise money. And so oh. listen to Norma Zipinski with Show Me Quilts of Valor. We have quilt raffles, and in our quilt raffles, we get enough money to uh, buy our fabric and our backing to get these quilts quilted. But with COVID, we... Ran about seven hundred dollars short of our thousand dollars that we usually generate.
1: Anybody that wants to donate, uh, I'm yeah. on their website right now. Quilts of Valor. It's uh, QOVF.org. dot org.
8: There's a donate tab. The the quilts themselves, in order to be an official quilt of valor, there are specifications. Sure. Anybody listening, we we love you if you wanted to do such a thing, but to to actually give a quilt of valor, it would have to be re, um, it would have to reach these. Specific size and each quote is embroidered with a certain message. Yeah,
1: and it's from, all explained right about. there It's all explained yes, on the so,
8: all on the website So tell, on the this, website. But
1: tell me about the moment that you know, I mean your dad knew this was coming right or knew something was happening
8: He did he absolutely knew that this he was going to be honored with this quilt I had um, siblings and some of their grandchildren on zoom who were watching oh. and So my mother was there and, and as you and I have discussed my mother has dementia and so um I know that she knew what was going on, right. uh, but short-term memory—the question is: tomorrow, will she remember that this happened?
1: Right. She'll see
8: this quilt, and she may or may not remember. So. Well, then
1: he can tell the story uh, over can, and over to her. He,
8: he can tell the story over <laughs> and over, which, which you know—they uh, call him Old Soldier. He will definitely tell the story over and over and over again. He spoke, and he stood up, bow, and he, the words—the first words out of his mouth were something like. When I was uh, 17, I worked for the railroad, and I thought, "Oh man, we're going way back." We're right. <laughs> and so he told the story of working for the railroad and going to a depot and seeing uh, one of those old Uncle Sam. I, you know, I want you. We need you. Oh yeah, yeah. Yeah, one of those posters, and I had never heard that story. And that's. And he looked at that, said, "You know, say no more." And he answered that call. And you know, for certainly for black men in the South. Joining the military was a way out. Absolutely,
1: yep, yep.
8: And and he certainly achieved that uh, by joining the military, by joining the army. Uh, My mother was a stay-at-home mom, and he he said these poignant words. They were poignant to me. He pointed to my mom and he said, "She raised five kids. I supported five kids."
3: Wow. Because
8: he was gone, as you know, he's deployed. You know, quite often, and so my mother was that constant. Uh, for us, but he did. He did make the joke that um, I, I, I'm calling it a joke. He may have been serious, Bo. He said, "He said, you know, when I was gone, your, you know, your mother, like he was talking directly to us. Your mother was raising the kids, and 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 he said, if the boys did something illegal, she would have to write me a letter." <laughs> and i thought what did they ever do that was illegal when he was in germany they were like you know eight years old what were they doing wow
1: well what what an honor and uh quilts of valor seems like a an unbelievable organization and and again you can make a quilt uh they've got quilt patterns you can make it just simply make a cash donation that would be the biggest help i think that's that's awesome it's amazing though because you didn't serve in the military correct
8: no, I did not. Yeah, well, he, my dad told me I should,
1: but I didn't. See, my dad told me I wasn't military material at, coming out of high school. I was like, <laughs> okay, <laughs> seriously. <laughs> but he wanted, you know, just like that that poster spoke to your dad and he answered that call. My dad lived in inner city Miami and wanted out and, and the Air Force was that way to do that.
3: Mm-hmm.
8: But he was
1: such a scrawny little punk. He had to eat six pounds of bananas to make weight. But he did it. Are didn't. you kidding me? And 40 wow. 47 years later, he uh, he put, he put in 47 years with the Air Force. It was uh That
8: is amazing. A lot of honor. Well, amazing.
1: thank you for the story and thanks for your your siblings that are military and thank you of course to your father. Uh what what was his uh, retired rank?
8: Uh master sergeant.
1: Wow. Impressive. Yeah. What a what a great career. Yeah. And and the fact and
8: to that have to, yeah, to have three sons who, you know, they all one retired as a colonel and the other lieutenant colonels. Uh my husband was in the was in the army. Um, so wow. we are definitely a, an armed forces family. And the discipline my dad talked about uh, um during the ceremony he talked about um doing what you're supposed to do and, and why he said, Bo, why was not in your our vocabulary. Right.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Wow. It's in and, mine.
8: <laughs> I had, it is in mine, and I had to laugh because I was the why child. Why, why, why? <laughs> and when he said that during the ceremony, I just had to chuckle because I did nothing but ask why.
1: I think you traveled down the right path, though, because you ask the questions why all the time. You've been doing that for 25 years on KMOX.
8: Isn't that the truth?
1: <laughs> <laughs> your path is laid out. All right. Well, Carol, thank you. Great talking with you. and you too, uh, Bo. And thanks to your father. His name?
8: Isaiah Keeler.
1: Carol, as always, thank you so much. Thanks for telling that story, and uh, thanks for your friendship. My name is Bo Matthews. That is about going to wrap it up for me, but I encourage you in this crazy weekend with Halloween, time change, and election coming up, make sure if you have not already voted to make sure you get out and vote and keep America free. I hope you have a wonderful week. I really do. And God bless America.